Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's 930 in 716. Let the great race begin. I am running for president of the United States. And and I'm very excited about it. Senator Kamala Harris, just the latest in a growing field that may be reminiscent of the 2016 GOP field. Uh, You got a minute? I'll go through. (laughs) You've got Kamala Harris. You've got Elizabeth Warren. You've got Kirsten Gillibrand. uh, Tulsi Gabbard has gotten the mix, too. Uh, You've got a a real cadre of candidates, uh, all of whom have a semi-legitimate chance of winning the Democratic nomination. But they all have hope. Candidates are, are nothing if not strategic, and they typically aren't going to run unless it's an environment that they perceive as being favorable to their candidacy. I'm Tim Wenger on 930 in 716. Democratic presidential hopefuls are fanning out across the country. Senator Kamala Harris of California used the Martin Luther King holiday to announce she's running for president. Two other senators expected to seek the White House include New Jersey's Cory Booker and Vermont's Bernie Sanders. Former Vice President Joe Biden and former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg are both weighing presidential bids. Two Democrats who have already taken a first step toward a presidential campaign, Senators Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts and Kirsten Gillibrand here in New York. It's a busy field, and women candidates are looming large. I think it's to be expected, uh, courtesy of a, a number of undercurrents. Three opinions to share on the podcast, beginning with UB Political Science Pro, Jacob Nyheisel. Uh One um, is perhaps a bit of a backlash against uh, some of the things that came out during the run-up to 2016 out of the Trump camp. Um, another is that women have been organizing for quite some time to get more women into politics. Uh, groups like Emily's List are out there, and it's sort of the if you build it, they will come kind of idea where there's infrastructure to promote more women in politics. It's almost like this is the time. So those have been in place for a while, and now we're kind of seeing the fruit of that. Absolutely. Candidates are, are nothing if not strategic, and they typically aren't going to run unless it's an environment that they perceive as being favorable to their candidacy. Um, that being said, some candidates uh, are a little bit overly optimistic. I think they have to do that to get up in the morning and go to a rubber chicken dinner where they don't uh, understand the people. But uh, for the most part, they're strategic and they run when they read the tea leaves in a certain way. Is this early right now? Absolutely, it's early. I, I've been telling people for a while, I'm really bad at prognosticating this far out. And, you know, I was also with the, the asterisks here. I was wrong about 2016, too. But um, I, I think that any number of things can happen. It's going to be a very crowded field, and we'll just have to wait and see for the most part. How crowded can it realistically get? Uh, I don't know that it's quite going to be 2016 Republican side type size, but uh, there have been overtures from a number of Democrats who are doing all the kinds of things that you want to do if you're running for the president. They've had books out. They've had very high-profile stances on things that don't necessarily impinge upon their own constituents, or they've had kind of media stunts uh, along the lines of Elizabeth Warren or um, Mm -hmm. Cory Booker. And so those are all indications that they're trying to, to up their profile. 
you know, we're saying it's early, but when when is the timeline over, I guess? I mean, when should you expect all of these announcements? Uh, well, that's, that's another great question. Um, I think organizationally, they need to be thinking about it probably sooner rather than later. Uh, that, that's for sure. And so on that timeline, um, it's certainly not too early. Uh, by too early, I, I kind of meant prognosticating. Um, but if they're going to be launching a campaign, it's going to have to be fairly soon to staff up. You mentioned the uh, Republican field in 2016, and we saw those debates with you know, however many people on the stage contrasted with the, the Democrats who I mean, tried to find the debate on the TV or when, where was it? But the uh, debate, what can, I guess, people who are running as Democrats now in this crowded field maybe learn from that? I mean, you had the president now didn't take part in some of those debates. Yeah, that, that's a, a great uh, connection to draw. I think uh, Democrats, if you're running now, um, I think the, the idea is going to be distinguish yourself early. Uh, there were some institutional mechanisms within the Republican uh, nominating process that made it very easy for someone with an early lead to come out and, and really sweep the field. Um, I think that uh, with Democrats, typically within their caucus, it's a bit more of a top-down kind of nominating procedure. And so I think they're going to have to get elites on board, party elites, early. To, to that point of distinguishing yourself early, how for you know the three big names that have officially declared right now, Kirsten Gillibrand, Elizabeth Warren, and now Kamala Harris from yesterday, is that going to be tough? You have three women, all three Democrat senators. I mean, they're... It's tough to distinguish yourself there, right? Right. Until they start talking policy or policy differences, it's, it's going to be very difficult for them to distinguish each other. And even in the terms of policy differences, it's going to be very, very minute distinctions between them. Uh, and so it's all going to be in terms of who gets a platform for that message and which message carries the day among the public. Well, we've got eight now officially running. WBEN political contributor Michael Caputo hosts his own podcast, I'm Still Standing, and he sees a long line of candidates standing up for the Dems in 2020. Including Elizabeth Warren, Richard Ojeda, uh, former Maryland Congressman John Delaney, Andrew Young, a businessman, Julian Castro, a Tulsi Gabbard, Kirsten Gillibrand, and now, of course, Kamala Harris, who just declared today. It's already a crowded field. Um, I think the best one out of all of those right now is probably Kamala Harris, although she's probably also the least experienced of all of them as well. However, she brings progressive cred. Uh, Elizabeth Warren's kind of already burned hers, and uh, we got a lot more. Else, do you think might be a candidate on the Democratic side? <laughs> uh, you got a minute? I'll go through them. <laughs> uh, Cory Booker, Bernie Sanders, Amy Klobuchar, Michael Bloomberg, Joe Biden, Sherrod Brown, Marianne Williamson, Eric Swalwell, Jeff Merkley, Tim Ryan, John Hickenlooper, Jay Inslee, Terry McAuliffe, Steve Bullock, Beto O'Rourke, Eric Garcetti, Eric Holder, Stacey Abrams, Mitch Landrew, Andrew Gillum, uh, Pete Budigeig, Bill de Blasio, and a partridge in a pear tree. Now, among those uh, candidates, you mentioned Kamala Harris would be the top contender. What would be about Kamala Harris who be the one that knocks off Donald Trump two years from now? Well, I don't know. It's going to be a really brutal uh, 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 primary, so they're all going to have to spend a lot of money and they're all going to take a lot of hits. I mean, if you look at uh, Kamala Harris, I mean, people say that she's arguably the least vetted uh, Democrat running for president, but it's already clear that she's unqualified and some would say out of touch. You know, her hometown paper, uh, when she declared, says she's a bad manager as an attorney general in the state. And all she has to show for her brief time in the United States Senate 
is a radically liberal voting record, but it's that liberal voting record that's going to help her rise to the top of the of the heap. You know, this is you know it gets it's going to get deeper and deeper as more and more names come out. I mean, there are strong ones in there as well. I mean, you see uh, uh, Terry McAuliffe, who did well and when he was governor of Virginia, um, and you see Sherrod Brown, an Ohio senator who has some pretty solid credentials. I also like uh, from the Democrat side. Amy Klobuchar, the Minnesota senator, um, uh, she's a Midwesterner, uh, a somewhat moderate record, and uh, a very appealing uh, personality and candidate model. And, of course, Cory Booker out of New Jersey, who comes like a Democrat in the Jack Kemp mold, a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, support behind him. Uh, Kamala Harris still, I think, is the strongest one so far, but she's in for a fight uh, with, with the ones that I've mentioned. And uh, how tough do you think this fight will be compared to what we saw in 2016 with the Republicans, uh, two groups of debates and all that? Well, it's going to be complicated because we had, what, 16? Uh, we're going to have upwards of 30 on the Democratic side. They're going to have to separate them into a couple of different groups. Uh, they say they're not going to do that by polls. So I don't know how the Democrats are going to organize it. They're working on that right now. It's going to be very difficult, very complex, but also very expensive and the people who are celebrating the most in this wide field are the TV and radio stations who are going to benefit in the primary states from all the money that's going to be spent to try and rise above the other 29 people running against you. You mentioned Kamala Harris was the number one contender. If not Harris, who could win? I think that uh, if you wanted to, if, you, if I had to pick somebody that could give uh, Donald Trump a run for his money, Joe Biden, you know, just because... Um, he's, he's very well liked in the, in the democratic party and has a lot of mid, uh, let's say middle-class working class cred. But again, I mentioned that, uh, that Klobuchar, who's the, the Senator out of, uh, Minnesota, uh, I believe she's got a real strong chance, but Kamala Harris, the reason why I put her out there is that there's a real pull to the progressive side. Uh, in, among the Democratic activists who control the party's nomination process. And Klobuchar, Biden, uh, those they, they're not as thrilling to them as Kamala Harris is. At the Center for Public Integrity in Ground Zero, D.C., WBEN contributor Dave Leventhal says it's a long list, but it ain't complete just yet. And there could be more. So you've got a pretty unprecedented situation, which is, obvious, but uh, it's also not too uh, like some of the past go-arounds. Hillary Clinton, for all intents and purposes, was the only candidate on the Democratic or the Republican side to obviously have a strong chance of winning the presidency. You've had no other woman candidate uh, who has really gotten uh, to that level before, and now on the Democratic side, at least, you've got Kamala Harris, you've got Elizabeth Warren, you've got Kirsten Gillibrand, uh, Tulsi Gabbard has uh, gotten the mix, too. Uh, you've got a, a real cadre of candidates, uh, all of whom have a at least semi-legitimate chance of winning the Democratic nomination, uh, particularly the senators among that cohort. Uh, Amy Klobuchar, another senator from Minnesota, also could get in the race as well. So this is really a, a very, very different scenario than we've ever had before in U.S. political history. How tough is it to differentiate yourself when you're talking about all these women senator, senators from the Democratic Party? <laughs> I think you're going to have uh, difficulty among all the Democratic candidates, regardless of who they are, in differentiating themselves, particularly on policy issues. Definitely, there are going to be some inflection points. There are going to be some uh, major differences that they're going to talk about 
during debates that they have and whatnot. But, uh, hey, they're all Democrats, and they're all going to be talking about Donald Trump, uh, who's going to be their ultimate villain, their ultimate enemy as they portray it. So finding the differences uh, among the candidates is going to be something that's uh, going to be doing a lot of parsing uh, for Democratic voters uh, who are ultimately going to be responsible in the primaries and the caucuses for choosing what candidate out of the 10, 12, 15 of these candidates who are going to be running or are already running. And Jacob, do you think Hillary Clinton kind of broke the glass ceiling for a lot of these women? Trade that way, but um, uh, I, I think it's just going to be a, a crowded field no matter how you look at it, and they're still going to have to differentiate themselves from each other, and they're going to have to get away from that 2016 loss. You know, Dave, looking at the field as it stands now, what's still to come? Uh, wondering on uh, the timeline here, are these uh, people who have announced already very early, just a little bit early, or right on time? And when is maybe that deadline where you expect to see people uh, kind of saying, I'm in or I'm out? A lot of listeners are probably thinking, wow, this is incredibly early for candidates to be announcing. you got to remember that Donald Trump himself filed re-election paperwork to raise money and run for re-election in 2020 on the day of his inauguration in 2017. So the Democrats, as far as they see it, it, the, the race has already been going on for months. Donald Trump has raised tens upon tens of millions of dollars for his campaign over the past two years. And he has a whole constellation of super PACs, these outside groups that can support his presidential campaign uh, who have been doing a ton of work. So in a way, they're behind the curve. So that's why they're getting out of the gate so early in January. And uh, you can expect that some of the other candidates who aren't officially in are probably going to move in the next uh, few weeks to uh, get into this race. I I would expect that the field is going to be pretty solid uh, by the time we're having a conversation in March, maybe April. There's not going to be too many people, if any, uh, who are going to go deep into spring or the summer to wait until they announce their presidential campaign. Do you think it'll be a bigger field than the Republican field we saw for 2016? I would expect that would be comparable. Uh, The 2016 Republican field was incredibly tight for uh, a long time. You had a number of candidates who got in. There were more than 15 uh, who were running, uh, again, who had some sort of semi-legitimate chance of getting the nomination. You have people like Scott Walker, who dropped out pretty early. Uh, And I I would expect that there are going to be some Democratic candidates who get out this year, as opposed to wait until the uh, the primaries and the caucuses ultimately start. But yeah, you're looking at the easily more than uh, probably a dozen candidates uh, here on the Democratic side who are going to be vying for the Democratic nomination. And one question is, on the Republican side, is anyone going to try to make some sort of a challenge to Donald Trump? Nobody's come forth at this point, but there's been rumors and innuendo and lots of chatter about uh, somebody like Jeff Blake or um, maybe John Kasich uh, who would get into the race, but that remains to be seen at this point. 2020 really isn't all that far off. That's 930 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 